What's up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 22 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast, where four lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined today by the legal beagle, Mr. Andy Brown. Oh, that's a new one. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I'm playing around with them, you know? Uh, so and then over here, we got the man with serious nipples, Mr. Robert Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> I really respect that. That's good. <laughs> And the galaxy's last hope, Mr. Sean Dendo. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Wow. How's everybody doing this week? Pretty good, pretty good. All right. Living the dream down here in our nation's capital, by which I mean I just submitted a paper and I ate a cupcake for breakfast, so it was a good morning. <laughs> <laughs> Now he's ready to talk video games. You know it, baby. <laughs> so we're going to kick the show off the way we do every week by talking about what we're playing this week. Um, I'm going to go first because I uh, wrapped up a couple things and then started some new stuff. So uh, I finally finished out Uncharted Lost Legacy. Did you find the legacy? I did. I did find it. And uh, you know what? I have to say, like, the second half of that game definitely ramps to a good place. Um, I definitely think it's still, like, you know, it was definitely a spinoff. It wasn't, like, a true Uncharted, but it hit enough of the Uncharted moments I needed to really, like, make it something that um, I'm really glad I ended up spending time with. Uh, there's particularly a twist near the end of the game that um, I won't spoil for anyone here who intends on playing it. Um, but uh, that, I think, really helped get me to where I wanted it to be. And, um, yeah, it was it was a really good time. I'm glad I played it. Cool. So then uh, beyond that, um, you know, I did the regular multiplayer suite, got in a couple games of PUBG, a couple games of League, uh, and then, you know, I'm still chipping away at Zelda, and then um, I also picked up uh, Pokemon Silver, which was released on the 3DS. Boo, Silver version, boo. Oh, boo you, Andy. You're going to pick Gold and Cyndaquil like the trash you are. Hell the fuck yeah, I am, because I'm an American goddamn hero. No, you're an American goddamn trash. No, that's that's gonna be the name of my biopic, though. American goddamn trash. The Andy Brown American story. American goddamn trash. <laughs> <laughs> A rise to ruins. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, but yeah, so it's you know it's Pokemon Silver. I'm having a great time with it. It's one of my favorite games of all time. Um, you know, I am really enjoying like listening to the soundtrack again and everything like that, like stuff I haven't done in a really long time. It's been a while since I've replayed this game. Um, and I'm basically speedrunning it. I'm already at the uh, third gym, so I'm in Ecritique, Uh And all I have to do is um, take out the gym leader now, and then I'm, I'm moving right along. So and that's only in, like, I think a day's worth of playing. Like, I was just kind of, like, playing it whenever I had a free minute, you know? Like, I went to the mall with my girlfriend, was walking around playing the game, like, you know, like I was a little fucking kid again. <laughs> nice. I, you know, I haven't picked it up yet, but I definitely am planning on it. And one of the things that in, like, seeing the press releases about these games that I always forget is just how good they look on a Game Boy Color, like, fucking palette. Dude, I was thinking the same thing last night. Yeah, just like the water effects and stuff like, like the that. The water it's effects, like, the the colors are really good. Like, yeah. it's a highlight of a highlight like system. Also, oh my god, yeah. Also, dude. definitely still the best Pokemon game for my money. I think so too. Um, it you know it's like it's tough for me to say that just because like <clears throat> I think 
the evolved mechanics in the later games are like a really huge reason of why I still like play Pokemon. But like as just a core like game experience, I would stand by that statement that I do think Gen Two is probably the strongest. Yeah. So yeah, I'm happy to be playing it again. Um, I think probably by next week there's a good chance I'll have beaten it or at least like have beaten the Johto segment and moved on to Kanto because I'm clipping through this. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so what about you, man? Um, I picked up Tooth and Tail the other night, and. For those of you, I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but I've definitely talked to Pete and Thompson about this in real life. I've been on a lifelong quest to find an RTS I like. <laughs> because, like, I want to be an RTS player really goddamn bad. But the the barrier to entry is just so high in terms of, like, just suck it up and deal with being bad for a long time. <laughs> and not being able to do, like, 300 APM fucking... <laughs> top level click drag mi- micro yeah yeah it, it's a skill for sure yeah so i picked up um tooth and tail which for those of you unfamiliar with it just came out it's an indie game that's basically the russian revolution as an rts but with animals <laughs> so um there's four factions they're basically the capitalist faction the socialist faction the Rasputin faction and the fascists and they're all mice the unit types are like your basic zerg rush infantry or squirrels you can get <laughs> ferrets with mortars oh, that's mustard really cool. gas skunks a badger with a flamethrower <laughs> and yeah um it's a lot of fun instead of having a cursor and dragging around and like having to scroll on the map, you have a commander unit, um, and they are your cursor. So they have a flag, and you just you click to rally people to your points. So you have to run and like try and be multiple places, and that works a lot better for me. Then like, it's easier for my brain to switch between okay, I have to plan to go here and then run here real quick to get these guys going, then like. Click, 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 have to be microing on three fronts. Right. I mean, that is... That makes sense. Yeah. I'm I'm really glad there's an RTS that you, you finally like got a chance to play. I'm, like, you know? I'm real into it. I've been playing the campaign, which has some weird fucking difficulty spikes in it. But, um, And the online is interesting, too, because all the maps are procedurally generated. Oh, wow. Huh. Yeah, which is super weird for an RTS. Um... Yeah, but I like I like that idea though because I mean, generally speaking, a lot of people win on on like StarCraft maps and shit who know what the maps are. You know, like they yep. know choke points and stuff, and they know where to drop and where to do these things. And like, yeah. if it's always random, you know that. And plus, you uh, you have to keep your camera like on your dude, right? Your yep. uh, your commander. Yeah, so. no, your your camera's always centered on your commander. Um, you have to like go out and take bases, and basically continue moving because your farms will run dry over the course mm. of the match. Okay. That sounds really cool. The, yeah, the more you talk about it, the more interested I am in it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I would strongly recommend it to anybody. It's got, like, the full suite of the RTS multiplayer modes. The, you know, 1v1s, the 2v2s, the four-player free-for-alls. It's got a 3v1 suite, so three of us could take on Thompson. Oh, that might be fair. We would still probably <laughs> lose. That might be fair. 
Yeah, it might be. He might need a fourth person. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. I would recommend anyone who's like a little interested in RTSs to check it out. Cool. cool. I mean, I was already looking at it, but you know, uh, if I get money, maybe I'll maybe I'll pick it up. So what about you, Sean? Uh, so from for the most part, it's the same old stuff. Injustice to uh, Heroes <clears throat> and World of Warcraft. <clears throat> Still, you know, working on the same boss. Uh, but I also picked up uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Oh, oh nice. nice. Yeah. Oh, how is so, that? It's, Have you played it yet? Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, Wait, it's not plastic wrap? No, no, it is <laughs> It is unwrapped. It's actually in my PS4 as we speak. Um, to be honest, you know, all the hyperbole about the game's going to be trash... You know, everything that everybody was said true. was absolutely, <laughs> absolutely wrong. Um, it's it's fantastic. The gameplay is, it's it's Marvel. It, like, that's all, you know? I, I You know, like, everything is smooth. It feels good. The character selection isn't the best, but um, there are some really cool new characters like Thanos, um, Gamora, um, Rocket is awesome. I love that Rocket's in the game. And he's a blast to play. Uh, is, it, I, sorry? is it Rocket and Groot, or are they separate characters? Well, Rocket is the main character. Groot is kind of an assist that Rocket has. Okay. So, oh. yeah, like he'll come out and do things for you when you, you know, press the right combination of buttons. Um, Sean, was, was, wasn't Thanos in uh, in Marvel 2? Yeah. Marvel's Captain I was just, 2, yeah. I was just wondering. Yeah, because yeah, I, I thought I could remember him, but I wasn't sure. Uh, we also got Captain Marvel, who I, I'm in love with. Uh, she's really, really good in this game. Um, so, and, and again, the scene is early in development. Uh, everybody's trying to figure out what the characters do. Uh, we know that Ultron is extremely good right now. Um, we know that X is really good. There's a few characters that are just really excellent. The story is a lot of fun. Um, I just there's no reason not to buy this game, honestly. If you're a fan of, of the Marvel series, there's no reason not to buy this. Damn. Which Captain Marvel is it? Oh, it's uh Carol Danvers. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh and then also they're adding DLC to the game. Uh I think it's six characters or eight characters all coming out this year. Uh so some of the notable ones are Black Panther, Winter Soldier. Uh, Black Widow, which is really cool. Uh, Venom, Monster Hunter, Ooh. and there's one more Capcom character that I'm slipping on, but uh, yeah, so lots of cool characters coming down the pipe. Just a really solid game. Cool. Have you fucked around with the story mode at all? Yeah, I was just saying the story mode is really good. Um, it's it's a lot better than what I thought it would be based on the story trailer that they showed. Uh, yeah, yeah, because we were pretty critical of that. I remember you were not a fan of it either, just because it was a little janky looking. Yeah, yeah, that it's still trash. That part, but <laughs> yeah, um, it's still trash. Everything after that is a lot of fun, uh, and and again, you know, just the character interactions, like getting to see characters who you never in your mind picture talking to each other on screen is just it's it's a blast. Cool. Well, yeah, I I don't know, man. Like, I I still don't know that I'm gonna pick it up, but that makes me a little more pick it up optimistic about playing it. Pick it up. Why don't you pick it up, man? I'm fucking broke. I don't yeah, me pick too, up. baby. <laughs> I'm like beyond broke. Like, God. 
All right, so Sean, I think what's gonna have to happen, you're gonna have to come down here and whoop Thompson's ass. No, and sell I, I think honestly, for everyone's sake, to make it easier, Pete, you should just pick it up. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> for everyone's sake. Well, won't you guys be in town really soon for Comic Con? That's a good point. That is true. Yeah. I, yeah, that's a really good point. The matches can be had. Ooh. Marvel party at Marco's house. Marvel party at Marco's house. <laughs> I will Maybe. be there. I have oh. midterms. Womp womp. I mean, Marvel's pretty important. I would try to find <laughs> a way out of that. Maybe you'll be sick around that time. <laughs> he needs he needs a extended time period for his testing. Yep. So what about you, Thompson? Yeah, not not like a lot of time to speak, honestly. But um, I got a couple games of League, uh, a couple heroes. I went did like two or three of them. Elder Scrolls Legends, you know, the basic stuff that I always kind of hit on a little bit here and there. Uh, the only notable thing, though, uh, I picked up Stellaris a couple days ago from the Paradox sale. And oh my god, <laughs> like, I've wanted this game uh, since it came out. And they, they finally had like a good deal. Um, it was like 50-60% off with like three of the four uh, expansion things in it. Oh damn! But, but you can you can do like anything in this fucking game. It's great because it's the same dudes who made like Crusader Kings, and, like Europa Universalis, and you know those those four X games that are like plausible real time kind of things. Um, but uh, this one's space, so you know it's perfect, perfect for me at least. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, I was making like 40k races, you know, like the the character or that the, the uh, race creation thing inside of it, all the government ethics you pick and the traits of your civilization and just the little details you can do just before you even start playing the game. It's incredible, you know? Um, so I made like three 40 K races. I played a game that was like basically a real time 40 K game, you know? And like, you can like theme your games and I got a Gundam mod, like right off the bat. So everything became fucking mobile suits instead of ships. I got and, the Gundam uh, mod. Cause of course I did. Cause I'm Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> well, the first thing I searched in the workshop was Gundam. Cause like, I always do that for like almost any game I like. And, and I was like surprised that there is a lot of Gundam mods. And it fits for the game really well because it's a space game where you, you know, take asteroids and stuff and, and you have to, like, you know, have fleets and all that. So I was, like, naming my ships after the Xeon fleet anyway, and I found out there's the skins for them. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do this. And then there's <laughs> an entire, like, mod that overhauls the game into, like, the one-year war even. And I was like, that's fucking incredible. So, uh, yeah, I'm like I'm in love with this game, man, you know? Nice. Um, that's great, man. No, you can, you can play a fucking hive mine in this game, which is crazy. You know, I made the Zerg from StarCraft, and I was like, cool, I'm a Galactic Hive Mind now. This is just fucking great, you know? Nice. You can just do Thompson, so much in it. Were you yeah. ever not a Galactic Hive Mind? <laughs> Good question. I often wonder that myself. The Gasol consciousness <laughs> that is me happened years ago. <laughs> but, um, yeah, dude, like, that game is great. Um, Pete, I did, I did show you that other game I picked up on the Switch. Uh, was it Quest of Dungeons? Quest 4 Dungeons? Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, it had, like, a really generic name, but yeah. it looks cool. it's hyper-generic, but it's it's a really good time waster, you know? Like, if I ever get any time off at work, like, sometimes, in, you know, a little 20-minute gap, I'll, I'll pull the Switch out and, like, play that game. So Yeah, it's like a, it's a cute little, like, pixel dungeon crawler. Yeah, it's it's a roguelike uh, pixel dungeon crawler thing. It has four characters, which I found out. You beat the game at least once, and you get a fifth, so I'm hoping there's more. It looks like there's room for, like, five more characters on the screen when I pick, so here's hoping. But cool. it's, it's, like, turn-based, though, which is neat. So, you, you know, every time you move or attack, things advance one turn. So, like, it, it definitely has, you know, the, the stress of, like, a roguelike, but you can plan everything, you know? And you, you can just, you can get really good or get really boned. <laughs> so, nice. it's really fun, though. 
Uh, really good time waster. Shit's like under 10 bucks. I highly recommend it. Sweet. All right, so if you want to let us know what you're playing this week, you can write into the show, have your thoughts right on the air, give us a random question of the week, or just say hey by dropping us a line at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow our sister show at The Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. Stay up to date with everything we've got going on here at The Pals Network. If you're an audio listener, we would greatly appreciate it if you drop us a like on your platform of choice, or if you really want to help us out, you can bounce over to iTunes, uh, where we are currently a five-star rated podcast, something of which we are very proud, and give us a rating. Uh, if you're over on YouTube, you can do us a solid and like this video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, and uh, check out our brand new daily show, Pals Play, which uh, has been up for a week now. We got a week's worth of Let's Plays with me and Thompson. Uh, right now we're playing Dishonored, Life is Strange, and Shovel Knight. So if any of those are interesting to you, uh, we would really appreciate it if you'd go check them out, give us a comment, let us know what you think about them. If you have any ideas for games you'd like to see us play, let us know. Is the life of a Dishonored Shovel Knight strange? <laughs> yeah, you know what? It really is. Um, it's, it's tough out there for, uh, a teenage dishonored shovel night, but you know, we're making it work. <laughs> uh, and last but not least, the best thing you guys can do to help out the show is share it with your pals so they can become our pals too. You know, let them know that we're out here, that you like our show and uh, that they should check it out. Cause, uh, you know, help us get those listens up. So for a rotating segment this week, we've got a buy or sell from Mr. Andy Brown. Uh, why don't you tell us what it is? Okay. So, oh, you're not going to give me the, it's time for the random question of the week. No, 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 because oh. this is just a buy or sell. Oh. This is a this or that. It doesn't It doesn't get the random oh. question yell. <laughs> <laughs> but I want it, Pete. I want it. Nah. Okay, so we're going to do a buy or sell this week of a couple more niche genres of video games. So, gentlemen, buy or sell. Horror games or comedy games? Horror games. <laughs> that didn't take <laughs> Yeah, I would definitely uh, buy a horror game and sell the comedy game. So, why is that? Uh... Because there's nothing remotely interesting to me about a comedy game. Uh, I don't. I don't get it. I hate laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I love the laugh. There's there, like, there's there's no comedy game I've ever seen that I found to be remotely funny. Uh, and we got to get I'm you just... some of the old Lucas Arts games. See. That's that's comedy, but they're not comedy games. They are though. Yeah. Which what do you mean? Which ones are you talking about? Think like like Sam and Max, like Day of the Tentacle. Oh well, when you said LucasArts, I thought about like Star Wars, like oh, the old no. shitty those, Star those Wars. Those old LucasArts point and clicks, man. Oh, Game of Games, oh, geez. King of Kings, Sam that's and Max. That's like Andy's wheelhouse. <laughs> it's true. Nah, rather I'd much rather invest in a horror game. Nothing remotely interesting about comedy-based games. <laughs> the disdain with which you said comedy hurts me a little bit. <laughs> it's like, Sean hates pirates laughing. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I totally get it, dude. Like, co- comedy games don't strike really anything strongly with me. I don't, like... It, the thing about them as a whole is, like, obviously some will only affect certain people like you gotta be into, like, the thing before you... You know, so, like, they're not as wide-reaching, I think, as, like, a horror game would be. Um, and, like, yeah, Andy, like, I like some of the old-style games, you know, like uh, Monkey Island stuff, but, like, when I think about comedy games, like, that's what I think of, you know, stuff that I haven't been able to play that's been good for so long. It's like, yeah, they were great, but horror games gave me Resident Evil and, like, you know, just so much other stuff. So, yeah, I would lose a lot of my favorite franchises if I, like, went the other way. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna buck the trend here. 
I'm going to go comedy games. I'm not surprised. <laughs> As mentioned, um, the old LucasArts games are my wheelhouse. And I've just had so many good experiences with Sam and Max and Guybrush Threepwood and Day of the Tentacle. <laughs> Threepwood! <laughs> it's Threepwood. <laughs> um, and like... Everybody listening out there, if you're never played um, Secret of Monkey Island, do yourself a favor and play Secret of Monkey Island. <laughs> it's a good game. Or Day of the Tentacle. It like just came out on everything again. So, yeah, that's true. Or like Thimbleweed Park that just came out. That's a new one. I bought that game and played like the first ten minutes of it, and I haven't like sunk in my teeth into it yet. That's surprising. Oh, that I haven't sunk my teeth into it yet. Yeah. I just, like, it's the kind of game I want to sit down and binge, and I haven't really had the time to sit down and, like, spend a lot of time with a game recently. I get that, yeah. That's why I kind of, like, took a break from Persona. Um, but anyway, uh, for my answer, I'm gonna buy on comedy games as well. Um, just because I, like, as a rule, I definitely prefer, uh, comedy to horror. You know, like, horror for me has, uh, its time and place for sure. I don't, like, dislike horror as a genre, but um, I've never really been super drawn to horror games. Like, I like a game that can spook me. Um, I think it's, like, really cool how invested in those kinds of experiences you get. But, like, honestly, I find them to be a little emotionally exhausting. You know, it's like, I can only, like, play a game like that for so long. I mean, too, when you become dead inside like me, you can play anything. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I never get I emotionally for, exhausted from a horror game. Like, what do you actually get like scared from them? Like, is it, that what it, it is? I think it's it, it's it's like I do definitely get scared, and it's not like I have like genuine terror to the point where I'm like I don't want to be afraid anymore. Right. But like the whole point of of most horror games is to like make you feel powerless and to um like make you like run and hide and and like it's very like about stress. It's about creating tension. Right. And, like, if a game does it well, I get, like, burnt out on feeling that way, and it either, like, stops eliciting that reaction and then becomes boring, or it elicits that reaction so well that I'm kind of just, like, I, like, need a break from this, you know? Like, right, yeah. it's It's not a thing I, like, really have an itch to do a lot, you know? I like a good horror game, like, every once in a while. It's, like, um, I feel the same way, and... I thought of this question coming back from the movies the other day after I'd seen It, which, like, if you like horror movies, go see It. It's really good. And I was thinking about horror movies versus horror games. And, like, I don't know, horror games always feel kind of cheap to me because horror movies have to work to build that, like, atmosphere and tension and, like, attachment, whereas horror games have a a sort of pre-built attachment to, oh, I'm playing this character oh, I'm going to project myself onto them because that's how people are in games. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, like really well-done horror games are, you know, great, and I love them. I, for my money, Resident Evil's really good, too. I'm not... Yeah, like, I had a ton of fun with Resident Evil 7 earlier this year. I didn't get to play enough of that game. You know, I think, for me, like, even games that aren't, like, necessarily, like, focused on comedy, like, I love a game that has humor. You know, like, that's always a thing that will win over a game in my mind. Um, so, like, I'm definitely more attached to having humor in games than uh, than elements of horror, for sure. Hmm. Not often that we come to an even tie. Yeah, yeah that's an that's, interesting one. It's, it's a rare good one Good question, for us. Andy. I'm surprised yeah, by your good answer. good one, Andy. Honestly, Pete. Yeah? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> well, I always love to be uh, provocative, so. <laughs> nice. <laughs> they call him Provocative Peter. <laughs> 
All right, guys. So if you want to write in with your own buy or sell, your own random question of the week, uh, again, you can hit us up at thevideogamepals.com. Get us on uh, at the comics pals or let us know in the comments. We'd love to hear from you because yeah. then we don't have to come up with them. Let us know in the comments how you feel Sean's wrong and comedy games are great. Whoa. <laughs> uh, and tweet at Sean uh, Soapbox that you like pirates. Hor- horror has, the horror genre has brought us some of the g- best games <laughs> in the history of games. Yeah, comedy Resident games Evil, man. brought us that one shitty South Park game from the N64. <laughs> it was, yo, all right, Fracture, not Fracture of the Hold, The Stick of Truth is a comedy game, and that game's awesome. Sure it is. Yeah, but you've got like <laughs> you know? you've got like four good Resident Evils, you know, years ago that it you came have, out. With. You have two good there's Resident like Evils. Two good Resident Evils. That's Whoa. insane. Counting wow. the one that came out this year, there's two good Resident Evils. What? Zero, one, two, three, and yeah. four are all good Resident Evils. First yeah. one's five. Four and seven are good Resident Evils. <laughs> Whoa, you don't like any of the other ones? Jeez. <gasps> oh no, I like them. I just don't think they're good games. Resident wow. Evil One's not a good game. You, no. You're insane. You're insane if you say if you think I, I kind of I, I kind of agree with Andy. You are out of your mind. Well. Are you now? Are you both judging high? that back then? Sure, maybe. But playing that game at the time, there's no way you could say that. That game was sure, revolutionary. I mean, it was revolutionary. It was important at its time for sure. It's just like, man, those tank controls are like not. They're like so much of the game's tension comes from the controls being cumbersome. But that's again, that's a perspective you're afforded now. Like yeah, judging sure. it, judging it for what it was when it was released is that's the way you judge these things, and it is a good game in that context. I mean, if you're gonna ju- if you're gonna judge a game from twenty years ago for the controls when every game had bad controls at that time, I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, most of them did, right? That's the thing. I, that's the thing. I don't think most games from that the, that generation of games hold up very well. But that's Ooh. a different. Like, I just think that's a different argument. Hot takes from Pete, throwing some fucking fire like, around here. I'll agree with Pete, but I will also agree that like Resident Evil in particular doesn't hold up because it generates tension through its bad controls. Like the tension is less. Oh man, is this thing gonna kill me, or am I gonna be able to get away from it? And more, am I gonna be able to aim? Man, I really don't have that problem with that game. I yeah, don't think it's that bad. Me neither. And the, like one of the most burned in my memory gaming moments comes from Resident Evil. Was like it the when dog? You, yeah, with the dog. Like <laughs> I'll never forget that in my entire life. Oh yeah. And you know, I mean like hey, there's I don't know. We're getting real down the rabbit hole about no, but it's the, interesting. the value of the original Resident Evil games. <laughs> it's fine. All right. Well I'm interested. I thought that's what we did here. <laughs> I did too. No it is. It is but we have a lot we have a lot more to get into yeah, in this yeah. show. I'm sure so I guess that means it's time for the news, the news, we talking about the news, the news, the news, we talking about the news. All right, so we've got a packed news list this week. We got seven items on it. Um, the first one is uh, just a little little teaser. You know, it's kind of just a PSA uh, from Rockstar Games uh, social media accounts, which was promising an update on Red Dead Redemption Two coming this week. So the post was uh, nothing but an image that uh, listed the date Thursday, September twenty eighth at eleven a.m. Eastern Time. And a link to rockstargames.com in a stylized Red Dead font and, uh, you know, red background. Um, so, I mean, there's really nothing to go on here other than we're going to get some news about Red Dead Redemption next week. So, tune in next week and we'll check in on Man, it. Man, what if they're just playing the long game here and it's like a trailer for fucking Bully 3? <laughs> 
<laughs> that would be the oh, be bully two first nope. of all. So I nope. no <laughs> bully three. Uh, I mean that's that's honestly the one fake out they could pull that I wouldn't be upset with because I know Red Dead Two is coming eventually. So if I also got the announcement <laughs> of bully, I'd be like, all right, cool. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, what do you get? Do you think we get a release date? Probably, like an updated release date, right? Because they delayed it. It was supposed to be this yeah. fall. Yeah, it was supposed to come out sometime this fall, and they were like, "Never mind, 2018." <laughs> I love it when developers are like, "Lol, never mind." <laughs> yeah, especially because it's like we had no idea that Red Dead Two was coming, and they're like, "It's coming, JK." <laughs> it might be coming. <laughs> So, I don't know. Uh, I hope we get a release date. I hope it's, like, a hard date. You know, like, oh, it's coming. You know, I don't know. I guess I could see this being a, a next year fall game, but I could also see it being, like, them trying to monopolize that new early, you know, time of the year game launch, which has been increasingly successful. Much like how Orange is the new black, February is the new fall. It's true. Also, Rockstar <laughs> could release a game any day of the year, and it's fine. You know, they, they, it's like, doesn't matter when they really, to my, to me, at least, you know, cause it's, people want it, you know, people want Red Dead too. They could say it's coming out like, you know, whatever day people are like, fuck it, let's get it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I'll buy it. <laughs> Red Dead's coming out. People buy it. Duh. That's how it works. Yeah, fair. So moon right along. Uh, we got the first official trailer for the new Tomb Raider movie and it looks pretty good. I think. What do you guys think? Have you, you, you we all got a chance to watch it, right? Yeah. Um, so I saw it yesterday in the theater before Kingsman, and, oh, like, nice. as someone who loves the fuck out of both of the recent Tomb Raider games, it's a little ridiculous how much of the aesthetic of those games they're putting in this movie. <laughs> it's, like, very much oh yeah, aping that style, it's like, for sure. It's definitely got the, the Lara Croft climbing hook that's, like, her, her go-to thing is the climbing hook and the bow. Mm-hmm. And it like name drops a bunch of plot points from the games, like uh, Trinity, the big bad corporation of evil archaeologists. <laughs> <laughs> they also um, there was a shot of her, I think near like the middle of the trailer that showed her like just straight up in the outfit that was like I think from the first game, like that blue blue tank top and like the camo, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or not camo, but. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the beige uh, pants and everything is like about. the main outfit that she was kind of promoted in for all the, uh, you know, original kind of like concept art and everything when we got the look at the new Lara. And they name drop the uh, the island from the first game at one point in a like, they don't actually say it, but she's got like a notebook where she's like, oh, we have to go to Yamatai. And that's where the whole first game set is on this mythical island of Yamatai. So it's like, I'm excited because Alyssa Vic- Alicia Vikander is a, like, real actress. Academy Award winning actress. Yeah, that's weird in and of itself. Like, you don't usually see the Academy Award winning types signing on for video game adaptations. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Like, I'm tentatively excited. I remember the last two Tomb Raider movies, though. So, we'll see it when we get there. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. I think it, from what this looks like, it looks like it could be a solid action movie. Right? Yeah. And, like, that's all it really needs to be. Oh, for sure. But, like... Assassin's Creed kind of looked that way, too, though. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know. So I'm willing to give this one the benefit of the doubt, but... Meh. So for me, uh, you know, like, 
I actually really didn't give a shit about Tomb Raider like until the the reboot with Lara Croft and stuff. Like I never, I never liked the games. I didn't really care for them. I don't think they're bad, but they're just hard for me. And uh, part of the thing I liked about the new Lara Croft was there was the aesthetic and like the a lot of the fucking killing you got to do. You know, like the I guess more Uncharted kind of actiony drivenness of it. And uh, I probably wouldn't give a shit about this movie honestly if they didn't copy those games. You know. So that was that was why I was interested in it now. So, um, but you know, I, I'm like really skeptical about the movie, honestly, just because like I do remember the other Tomb Raiders, um, <laughs> and I'm like not a big fan of the series anyway. So like you know, I, I like some video game movies, you know, just because I like the game too, and I'll take just about anything from that world, you know. And uh, I, I'm not saying they're good movies, but you know, it's like that. But I don't have a connection to Tomb Raider really, so. Um, I don't know. You know, it uh, it it looks good, obviously, and it looks like it's like done like a serious. Someone's like, let's not fuck around. Let's make a real good movie. You know, it's not just like blast this out of the studio. Like no one gives a shit. So, um, that's positive. And um, yeah, a real actress and all that too. So you know, if it, if they're taking inspiration from the game, somebody take took the time to give a damn. You know, so it looks like it's it's probably gonna be good. You know, I I got a bad vibe from the trailer. Uh, it just there's something off like i want it to be good because i really really loved that first game in the reboot uh series <clears throat> but uh it just comes across as very cliche like she's this badass chick wearing like a sort of biker jacket and she's <laughs> coming back and no one's heard of her she comes into her father's business and they're like oh what's your name Laura, what's your surname? Croft. Oh my god. Uh very very corny. Um <laughs> She's like I'm the immortal Iron Fist. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, very Iron Fisty. Um and uh also I thought that I thought that this movie was gonna be about the like survival, right? The first game is very much about survival. It's very much about who is this person underneath, how far is she willing to go? What is she made of? And this trailer didn't give me that at all. It gave me, uh, there's going to be some action. And that's that's it. Um, the first game very much establishes her as somebody who is, who, who loves to do this. You know, she loves um, archaeology. She loves exploration. She's about that. So when she goes into this new, this new experience, she's not necessarily cut out for the physical element of it. Um, she gets that through time. But all the other stuff is right up her alley. I don't understand why this Tomb Raider, this Laura Croft in the film, is made for what she's about to experience. I guess because she's a badass? Because she wears those jackets? I, I don't know. But the, the trailer <laughs> didn't do a good job of selling her at all. And so for that reason, I'm not excited for this. All right. Well, I mean, I guess we'll have to wait and see, right? So, and like what's become a near weekly update this month, uh, the controversy and ensuing beef between Firewatch developer Campo Santo and YouTuber Felix Kelberg, aka PewDiePie, has continued to develop this week. Uh, when Firewatch was swarmed with negative Steam reviews after taking action against PewDiePie. Uh, we reported last week on how PewDiePie's channel had been hit by uh, DMCA strike down. Uh, which was promised by Campo Santos co-founder Sean Vanneman on Twitter after PewDiePie had uh, received flack for saying the N-word during a stream of PUBG. 
Uh, unsurprisingly, legions of PewDiePie's fans who have been steadfast in asserting that the YouTuber did nothing wrong, despite the fact uh, that we talked about last week, you know, that he admitted guilt and uh, made a public apology in a video on his channel, um, are trying to fire back at Campo Santo, basically, by um, giving their critically acclaimed game Firewatch uh, a beating in the Steam reviews. So uh, Eurogamer's Vic Hood has a great article on the situation that I've linked to down below with the rest of our news items, which you can check out for more information, um, which has a chart from SteamSpy.com, which is showing the steep uh, drop-off in positive reviews for the game, on which uh, Vic writes, quote, Firewatch has 84% overall positivity score on Steam, but in the last 30 days, only 45% of the reviews have been positive. The majority of recent, quote, not recommended comments refer to the PewDiePie incident. Um, so then jumping around a bit here, uh, he's got a couple quotes he pulled from, from the Steam users where uh, they say, one Steam user said, game is short, linear, and although can be enjoyable... And although, and although can be enjoyable experience, that's what it says, the ending is lacking and unsatisfying, and the developers abuse DMCA laws to penalize Let's Players they dislike for personal reasons. Another user said, I don't support the abuse of copyright law to censor things. Another, other comments include calling Sean Vanneman a, quote, butthurt SJW crybaby looking to be offended, referring to the developers as, quote, childish, and saying Vanneman should, quote, kill himself. Stay mature, gamers. <laughs> obviously you know at this point the conversation has become like hostile and toxic for probably both sides you know and this is one of those things that the longer things go on the more ridiculous it's going to get you know the games don't deserve to be fucking rated down it's it's a little weird that like so many people get so offended you know that they need to go do this to me like i, I don't know why everyone uh why do you think it's okay to like tell someone to go kill themselves? I don't, I don't know. It's weird. There's so many people that just feel so like uh, strongly, you know, that they can do just nasty shit, and it's cool. So many so, people feel that games aren't fun unless they can tell other players to get gunned down like the degenerate trash they are. But that's the thing. If you're playing League, you expect that. So, you know, I mean, you know, whatever. That's part of the game for League. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. I mean, I just, I called... Tom Thompson's sentiments. Uh, it's it's bullshit, but it's not a surprise. We talked about how this guy's followers are shit, and they're continuing to prove themselves to be shit, and it's par for the course. Unfortunately. Uh, so in response, uh, Steam has decided to implement a histogram feature, which is going to allow users to uh, more easily identify review bombings like this when they happen. So now, from now on, each game page on Steam is going to include a chart that gives players a visual history of user reviews, making it easier to see if a game's negative reviews are like a recent development. Um, so in a blog post on Steam's community page, the UI designer Alden Kroll explained the decision to use the histogram feature instead of removing scores or temporarily locking a game's reviews after controversies. Uh, so he said, as a potential purchaser, it's easy to spot temporary distortions in the reviews to investigate why that distortion occurred and decide for yourself whether it's something you care about. This approach has the advantage of never preventing anyone from submitting a review, but it does require slightly more effort on the part of potential purchasers. It is also the benefit of allowing you to see how a game's reviews have evolved over time, which is great for games that are operating as services. Uh, so then he, he didn't, uh, and no one from Steam, has mentioned the Firewatch incident by name, uh, but he did uh, what almost certainly seems like an allusion to it here. 
He said, quote, one thing we've noticed is that the issue players are concerned about can often be outside of the game itself. It might be that they're unhappy with something the developer has said online or about choices the developer has made in the Steam version of their game relative to other platforms or simply that they don't like the developer's political convictions. Many of these out-of-game issues aren't very relevant when it comes to the value of the game itself. Uh, and then one last thing here before uh, I open the floor up again. Uh, it is worth noting that uh, PewDiePie himself weighed in on uh, Twitter about this, posting a screenshot of the game's reviews. Um, he had like that image with this caption. Abusing DMCA is wrong, but so is review bombing. I'm not condoning the Firewatch reviews. That's nice. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's something, right? I mean, I'm, I'm glad he's at least, um, you know, acknowledging that this is happening and... Uh, and announcing it but you know um no that's 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 we were just talking about that like even i think last week you know like if if he you know doesn't agree with this shit he should be vocal about it because he has an audience and he needs to set them on the you know the, the path of not doing this shit and if he comes out and says i'm not condoning this maybe there's somebody out there who won't do it and if like even one less person doing it that's good you know yeah yeah and i do think um Overall, I'm glad at least that this histogram feature is going to exist because this has been a problem with Steam reviews for a long time. Yeah, it's a shitty thing to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, this is certainly not the first game that's been a victim of this. Right, yeah. So having something like this that gives consumers the ability to, um, you know, get a fuller picture of what people think about this game is is definitely good. Um, and it seems like a natural evolution from that uh the feature that we talked about you know weeks ago where there is the lifetime reviews and then the how it's been doing recently thing so good on steam for trying to come up with a solution that doesn't uh involve them having to like turn off all comments or go in and individually uh moderate people you know yeah i mean you know you should always make your own decisions but a steam review is definitely a good start <laughs> you know to deciding if you want to buy a game or not if it's sitting at like 20 percent, you probably don't want it you know even Firewatch was at forty five now. You know, if you don't know, well, no, 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 it was it was at eighty four, and then forty five percent of them from the last few weeks have been positive. So it's been mostly negative reviews. So it's right. been like sixty something percent. Right. So, but like a lot of people, if they never even heard about this, have no idea what's going on, and don't really read the comments and just look at the numbers, they might pass that over. You know, seeing a sixty. Yeah, like, right. They that. might see that like the recent reviews are bad, and they're like, oh, maybe the game yeah, got, got patched, it's yeah. buggy now. Right. Or, so yeah. like this, this helps. You know. Especially, especially the histogram thing. Like, I'm really, I'm very happy for that. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I think that's a good feature. Um, I don't know that there's much more that Steam is responsible to do on this situation. I think that's a good feature to have in general, not just as a reaction to this. But um, I mean, we've said it many times, but we got to do better. I mean, why are you trying to destroy? A developer or hurt the sales of their game because of this this guy i mean he's a guy you know he's he's just a guy who makes youtube videos he's not your savior he's not your father he's not your best friend you don't know him he's a guy that did something that's being now he's being punished for it and you're you know just having this childish reaction it's weird how we idolize these people especially shitty people like him yeah, man, I mean, you know, I think, like, this kind of behavior in general is just, like, not good. You know, it's like, there's there's no, I don't care, like, who it is. Like, if it's a good person or a bad person, it's never right for you to, like, 
mobilize against people online and try to attack people. You know, I don't, I don't think that that's like, I, I think that that is such a really damaging um, component of internet culture, you know, uh, in, in like the modern internet culture anyway, that, you know, we are so eager to tear people down um, and, and like send them death threats or, you know, like try to put them in this box and, and dehumanize them, you know, uh, instead of looking at them as people. I mean, I, I'm, I don't feel this way, but I'm, I've read a couple of things that have uh, have said that like part of the reason that they have been doing this for the reviews was because they felt that since this guy, um, that I don't know the Firewatch guy's name off the top of my head, Sean Vanneman, yeah, uh, because he had said, you know, I'm pulling, uh, you know, my, my my stuff out of PewDiePie, and he wanted other people to do it. They felt that it was a mobilization against like them or whatever, so that that they are doing that as like a mobilization. So. It's, you know, perceived by everybody their own way, obviously, but enough people thought that it was something that they needed to mobilize for, you know, and I, but again, you know, like at some point, if we all just start attacking each other and no one steps and is the the bigger man or woman about it, it, it's just going to be bullshit, you know, like this is going to go on forever and then people are going to be more and more shitty about it. And, you know, at some point, suck it up. PewDiePie said he was wrong, you know, get over it. Like he, you know, he already admitted he was wrong. You know, well, and like especially now too, because he's also saying like I I don't want you to do this. And, yeah, and he says so this like, too, like you know, and don't do the review thing, you know. So it's like, it's like just if you're continuing to do this, you know, like at one point you gotta just you know just stop <laughs> and just move on. Yeah, just seriously, yeah. just something is gonna come along that's gonna offend you in a week anyway. If that's how butthurt you really are, you know, you're gonna just live in constant butthurt. So you move on as soon as something, you know, some other controversy will happen. You know, these these things do happen, and. Another one will come along, probably. Probably sooner than we think, because this shit's becoming more and more, you know, in our face. Especially since, you know, more focus has been put on YouTube channels or, like, Twitch streams, where these things do tend to happen, you know? Well, I think it's, like, the nature of, like, people always being online, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, and like, it's when not you're cable constantly... TV. Yeah, right? It's, like, it's not an edited thing. Like, you're live streaming or you're, you know, people right. throwing up vlogs and stuff like that like it's just there's so many opportunities for for stuff like this to come out about people now right so So i guarantee something new will be here in a week you know sure yep and then we'll all be outraged about that (laughs) i'm outraged Uh, about your outrage (laughs) i mean no dude it's it's not simply you know being outraged about something it is it is a bad thing that these things happen and you know like people make fun of you know, uh, you know, a lot of people for even caring about these things, like, oh, just take it over, it's just words and all that, but, like, everything about the internet is, like, so fucking toxic now, you know? It's so ridiculous how, like, people have just, like, warped it into this, like, really shitty thing sometimes. And, like, you know, there if that's what people are gonna do to other people, then, you know, we have to say, like, no, fuck you too, you know? Like, that's enough's enough. So, it, it's, you know, it's good to be angry about stuff sometimes, you know? <laughs> Oh yeah, I was people make fun of it, being you know? outraged at your outrage. Nice. <laughs> Some people make fun of it, you know. Uh, yeah, like, but whatever. All right. So, in more, are we really talking about this for the third week in a row? News: the issue of race has come up again in the press around South Park: The Fractured But Whole, but not for positive reasons. Oh my god, it's so bad. Uh, so the latest trailer for the upcoming game uh, reignited the weird ongoing feud between rapper Kanye West and the South Park crew. 
uh, by making fun of only one. The mobile game uh, Kanye released back in 2016 about guiding his mother to the gates of heaven. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah, so that's a thing. Yeah. Uh, while I'm sure at least a few people would see this as being in bad enough taste on its own, uh, the controversy to what we're about to be talking about is coming from how West Mother is being portrayed. So in a callback to uh, a, a season 13 episode of South Park, uh, Fish Dicks, um, West is uh, portrayed as an actual fish in the game with green scales living in the ocean, you know, uh, which is relevant to bring up because his mother, on the other hand, is shown to be a black and brown fish with large red lips, big eyelashes, and gold earrings, which, um, you know, is, is being uh, compared to blackface imagery. So uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, um, this is easily the kind of thing I think that like you can read the headline and, and be like, oh, this is being blown out of proportion. But I think when you see it in con you know, in the context of the trailer, it's like it's 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 very jarring. Um and, and I just like I'm so flabbergasted by this decision. I don't know like why this would be used for the trailer. It's like not really a topical joke anymore, and like who thought this was okay? Like, how did not anybody at Ubi or, like, in the internal team, like, think, like, you know, like, maybe nah. Like, maybe not on this one. <laughs> Especially for a trailer, you know? Like, I don't know. It doesn't yeah. show gameplay or anything, you know? It's not like it's promoting the game in a positive light, you know? It's just, by our game, we're not Kanye? Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, see, like, it's... It, I, I expect, you know, South Park to try to push things, you know, we we know like you know i just got the team america um dvd for like a dollar the other day and watched it and the shit's fucking like you know really hyper offensive to a lot of things but there are some things that even they don't fuck with a lot you know and it's 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 a little strange to me to see uh south park game have this particularly because it's not one of those things that they've even done like every time that they did like um you know like uh like something that was clearly a nod to like you know racism or something you know they they do it in a way that's like still like even the, the guy being chinese right and it's like uh you know he they can't speak english for the japanese guy like they don't understand each other you know it's not it's not like deep cutting like that with like this would be you know this has like a history to it for us in particular and they've never done anything like this before you know this is not i think the thing that's so weird is like usually there's some sort of subversion yes there, that's right? what i'm like trying to say it's done yeah, yeah, yeah it's done to make a point about something right and there seems to be racism. no point other than like fuck kanye right and like i don't understand yeah. like he's not like i don't know he's not he's not jesus like he thinks he is but like there ain't no reason to like go like viciously after him <laughs> so i mean th this is the like this is his mother yeah, you that's know, what like, I mean too. That's not you know? funny. You yeah. know, yeah. like his mother died for real. Like, why is that a joke? I don't understand. That's, that's yeah, not yeah. funny. It, it's like, it's very even, distasteful. Even putting aside the racial elements, right? A guy's mother died for real, and they're making fun of that. That's not a joke. Right. Yeah. It's very like strange. All of it. It's very strange. Even Connie had a video game, a mobile game. I didn't know that. <laughs> that's that's even weirder. <laughs> yeah, and like that's the thing, right? Is like, on some level, like I I can get making fun of the game, yes. because like the game is silly, yes, of right? Course. Like I, I like when I said what it was, you laughed out loud, Sean. Yeah, you know, like the idea that he, his mother died and to honor her, he made a fucking game for the iPhone about leading her to heaven is like there's a joke there that I think you can make that's like not. 
it's always going to be in bad taste, right? But, like, I can see making that joke in the context of a video game that's making fun of video games. Yeah, yeah. And taking a pot shot at a guy that you make fun of all the time. Sure. But I feel like this, like, the racial element just feels so, like, where's the, like, where's the joke there? Other than to just, like, be really offensive and mean. And it just seems like, it seems, like, very out of character, yeah, they made him a straight up fish, and he even says, like, I think, like, exact quote, like, grab my gay fish flaps or something. Like, they're really laying into this guy, you know? They're calling him, like, st- like before they used to just say in the show, oh, he's a gay fish, right? They just straight up made him that, like, exactly in this, while having his mom, you know, making fun of her, everything, dude. Just, like, so many layers. It's so weird. I don't get it. It's so unlike them, you know, to really just come out and be like that. I don't know. It, it definitely seems like... It's 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 over the line. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like what, what, like twenty fucking number of seasons of South Park, and I never thought that they really would like push it too far. Really, <laughs> this is ridiculous. It's it's a little hard, man. Heavy handed on poor Kanye over there. Has has he had enough? <laughs> it's I don't know, like I definitely feel like they've crossed the line for me in the past, but it's never been one where I've been like I've seen it and just been like whoa, like all right, guys, like this is like a little harsh you know like i maybe with basketball or something i don't know bad taste like (laughs) oh yeah yeah i don't know and it's like i don't get their beef with kanye either but like it's fine like it's funny fish sticks is a good episode of south park yeah (laughs) like (laughs) i don't know like it always to me seemed like a thing that was like just kind of like an in-joke like oh yeah like we make fun of kanye this just seems like guys like all right just stop like just leave him alone alone. (laughs) it's like when that episode came out kanye wrote like a myspace post about it it was like (laughs) it was funny but also that shit hurts (laughs) it's like i feel like you can have fish sticks and just have that be your one episode where like you go real hard after kanye and then you know just kind of let him be like, Ivan would have been okay if he showed up in the game as a fish and it was just like, oh, haha, he's a fish. Like, remember that joke? Like, that's fine. But, like, we don't need to make fun of his dead mom. Like, I don't know, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I, moving on to some lighter news. Uh, so, Nintendo has seemingly included what I think is like a beautiful tribute to the company's former president, Satoru Iwata, in uh, in every single Nintendo Switch. So this story started earlier last week when modders discovered that there was an emulator uh, packed into every Nintendo Switch with a copy of the NES game Golf installed on it. So uh, though Nintendo hasn't officially commented on the game's presence, uh, fans believe they have discovered the true meaning of the game's inclusion on the hardware. So Golf was one of the many games that was programmed by Mr. Iwata for Nintendo, and uh, fans, including Justin Epperson, who is a senior producer for the Japanese localization company 8-4 LTD, have taken to calling it a, uh, excuse me if I uh, don't pronounce this correctly, but uh, a quote, Amamori, I believe it is, uh, or Charm, from Iwata. So Epperson explained on Twitter that Omamari are bought at shrines in Japan, and keeping one close is supposed to protect you from bad luck, um... And give good luck to the owner. So he uh, he went on to say about Awada that you know he said that the man was like clearly loved. So 
the theory here uh, is supported further by Switchbrew, who were the hackers that originally found the file, who are reporting that the game can only be launched uh, when the system's date is set to July 11th, which was the day of Awada's death in 2015. Wow. And you have to do the thing with the Joy-Cons, right? Yeah, you're you're supposed to do the thing that he used to do, you know, like in the directs where he would like put his hands out or whatever. Please understand. Like if you Yeah, like if you do that with the Joy-Cons, it apparently activates the game and then you can like apparently play it with the Joy-Cons controller like as a golf swing. Um so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, like this is I think a really I I'm interested to see if Nintendo's like going to ever officially comment on it, but I feel like this is a really sweet way to, you know, kind of honor Awada. You know, like, I think he was a really huge icon in this industry for a reason. Because, like, not only was he, you know, um, obviously an important leader at Nintendo, but, I mean, he was in the industry for, you know, like, 40 years, you know? And he went from the very bottom, lowliest programmer at HAL Labs to the president of, you know, one of the biggest players in the industry. So, um, you know, obviously, uh, his death definitely shook Nintendo and, you know, the entire gaming world. But I think, you know, the fact that he's still, you know, his his fingerprints are still there at what's going on today is, is really cool. And this, this small way to honor him is, uh, I think, really appropriate. Yeah, I really like it. Yeah, it's cool. I think it's, it's cool as fuck, you know, like, that's so creative. Um such a nice way to like honor a guy, you know, like the, the timing of it and all that shit. If they don't comment on it still, I'll just assume that's what it was. And, uh, yeah, I'm even more happy that like Nintendo gave me a good luck charm that I've been keeping along with me. My life has been turning around since I got my switch and that this could be, <laughs> please understand. Know, I am blessed by, you know, Eastern, you know, wisdom now. And this is great. So, you know, what a great way to honor a great man and also make my life better. Please understand, Awada is with you always. Yeah, that too, that's how I feel now. You know, I feel I feel honored. <laughs> I feel honored knowing that someone like that will take their ancient wisdom and smile me, upon me for even just a little bit because I gave Nintendo <laughs> five hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So our last item on the news list this week is going to take us into our meat and potatoes. Uh, Tokyo Game Show twenty seventeen was this past week, and we got a slew of new announcements surrounding some of the hottest games coming out of Japan this year. Um, so I'm going to just pull up. Um, this article from IGN, which was by uh, Alex Osborne. He compiled all the biggest announcements, so I'm uh, going to give him credit here while I pull through them. But um, So yeah, you, we'll link down to this below if you want to check out trailers for any of these games. There's a couple really exciting titles I wanted to bring up with you guys. Um, the first one, I think, is probably the one that uh, we're probably the most jazzed about. Um, it's called Left Alive. Now it's one of Square Enix's newest games. And... Um, so, Square describes it as, quote, a brand new survival action shooter set in a, quote, dark and gritty world, uh, which is being directed by Armored Core director Toshifumi Nabashima and features character designs by Metal Gear character designer Yoji Shin Shinkawa uh, and then mech designer Takeyuki Yansi, who's worked on both Metal Gear and Xenoblade Chronicles X, uh, is also involved in the project. So, uh, the trailer shows off. We've got kind of a futuristic setting. There's mechs. You know, it seems the, the kind of thing you would expect from those three creators coming together. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, this is pretty interesting, I have to say. It looks dope, yeah. I'm very excited for it. I really like those character designs from, uh, what's his name? The Metal Gear guy? The Metal Gear guy, yeah. Yeah, Yoji Shinkawa? Yoji Shinkawa. I like, his designs are so iconic and tied to Metal Gear for me that it's going to be weird. 
but we'll get through it because like thompson i love me some mech games my god do i love mech games <laughs> man like me too i was really into them when i was younger you know like i was a huge armored core fan when i was a little kid and like you know even like some of the other stuff like custom robo like oh, i love, custom dude, mech I love that shit that was great. So, like, I, I am, I'm, like, really interested in this, you know? And, like, and it seems like Square is, like, looking at this as one of their, like, big, you know, like, potentially, like, pull, tentpole kind of franchises because uh, Final Fantasy's brand manager, uh, Shinji Hashimoto, is also um, producing it. They oh, should have so. called it Left 4 Alive and had it be a co-op shooter. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's definitely not a good name. Um, like, that does not give me like i hear that and i think zombie game not big japanese robot fighter Could be like which is post singularity or only only humans left you know maybe i mean like i'm i'm sure it'll make sense in context later but just as like a marketing thing i'm sure that there's going to be some brand confusion there you know <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah but like this is cool man i mean this is like an all-star cast of, of creatives so i'm definitely hype uh to see if this actually materializes into something that we're going to be excited for i feel like we're like definitely overdue for like a giant mech, like renaissance here because it's been a while since we've had games like that. Titanfall you know? is the only one I could think of that did it like pleasing, you know, like where the suits looked like you know good and like the designs were pretty cool and unique and shit, you know. And like obviously I was saying Stellaris before with Gundam, like I am a gigantic fan of like specifically like mech suits and shit, you know, as well as sci-fi stuff. But that, this just scratches a lot of itches. I only wish the trailer showed me like something other than just uh, it, it's like. 40% a hallway, and you're like, okay. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, there's <laughs> nothing in cool. there. Yeah, I guess, but there's nothing in there, except for the team looks, you know, the team's stacked, and, you know, I'm hoping for the best. Yeah, this is definitely one to be exci- excited for based on the pedigree, I think, more than anything. Yeah. We also got a release date for Monster Hunter World. Um, So, yeah, uh, we got some, you know... We got a brand new trailer for Monster Hunter World, which shows off some brand new stuff that we didn't see at E3. Um, we figured out the game's going to be released worldwide on January 26th, uh, and then we're going to get a couple different um, like options for like special editions and stuff like that. There's a really cool uh, PS4 Pro that's like themed around Monster Hunter, like really sick controller to go along with it. Uh, it's like maroon. It's got a dragon on it. Very cool. Um, there's a digital deluxe edition, which has a bonus armor set, emote, emblems, and hairstyle instead. Um, and then the physical one's also going to have, like, a soundtrack. There's a figure. There's an art book. You know, your typical stuff. Um, and then if you pre-order the game, you can get an origin series of armor and a wind charm item. Um, pre-orders go up uh, a couple days ago. So you can go jump on it right now. I honestly don't think I'm going to get this one. I think I might be burned out in Monster Hunter games, honestly. Um, yeah, I remember you saying that when we saw this. You were like, I mean, it looks cool, but it's more Monster Hunter. Yeah, I, they they you know they play a little bit like Dark Souls. The this not like the I mean the difficulty actually. Yeah, they're pretty hard sometimes. But the control scheme, you know, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like a Dark Souls game. And I think when I play Monster Hunter, I'm always like trying to almost scratch that itch. So I just go back and play Bloodborne. You know, because <laughs> sure. like I've been looking at it anyway. I was like, I want to replay Bloodborne. So like, if I'm gonna play something, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to buy a new game that I might not get to. I'll just go back to play Bloodborne again or something. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame you, man. I uh, I played Monster Hunter a little bit when I was younger, and I kind of fell out of them for the same reason, where it's just there wasn't enough innovation there for me. Yeah, I mean, they're good games, but they don't do it for me anymore, I don't think. That's okay. 
So then we got a new trailer for Shadow of the Colossus' uh, PS4 remake, um, which had some uh, some new stuff. And then uh, we know that, um, you know, this is, like, not really much new to report. You know, it's it's an updated version of the game, so it's, like, there's not, like, there's new footage to see. It's just new looks at things that we haven't seen remade yet. Um, but I'm actually really excited for this. You know, both Shadow and Eco were games that I never really got into on the PS2. I tried to play their remakes on the PS3, and the, like, controls were definitely a barrier of entry for me. So the fact that they're kind of remaking it with modern controls um, is something that definitely makes me think I might give it a shot again. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. It looks like it's a great game. It looks like it's going to be a good remake of it. And I'm really into it. So then this one, uh, this next one was... The one I actually thought was probably the most interesting, which is that uh, Final Fantasy IX has uh, been re-released for the PS4. So this is strange because you know we haven't really seen any PlayStation One games released on PS4 because PlayStation you know, PS4 two? classics. No, 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 was it was it a PS One? Is it really a one game? Holy shit, dude! I thought yeah, it was a two. Yeah. Oh no, right, ten, was, yeah, ten um, was the first yeah, one. Ten yeah, ten was the first one on oh, PS2. My bad. So. This is weird because ever since the PS4 launched, PS1 Classics have not been on PS4 uh, for whatever reason. They were a, a big part of PlayStation 1's uh, retro library, but have never made it to the PS4. Um, this is not just a straight-up port, so it, it doesn't seem to be pointing to any uh, return for those games necessarily because it's got um, complete HD cutscenes and character models, so it definitely is like a smoother-looking version of the game. Uh, it's got full trophy support, autosave functionality, which is like if you've ever gone back and played an old RPG, that's a thing that you definitely miss. Um, and then it's also got, uh, quote, booster features, which have like a high speed mode. So I guess you can rush through grinding if you need to. Um, you can turn off random encounters. Like there's all kinds of things that you can do uh, to just like fool around with the game and get through it quicker, make it a little easier, um, which I mean, I guess if that's your thing, that's your thing. Uh, so, I don't know, this is, this is weird. I, I don't know if this is indicative of, of more things, or if this is just a one-off, but what do you guys think about this? I think this is pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> this is the first Final Fantasy game that I played, and, uh... Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um... Me too. I never beat it, unfortunately, so the fact that it's being re-released or whatever, it's you know, that's something I could see myself picking up and uh, playing for nostalgia's sake and because I thought it was a good game. Well, it's out now, so you can grab it. MVC, though. That's true. <laughs> yeah, this is, one, uh, this is, I think, the only Final Fantasy game besides uh, 10-2 that I've never beaten. Uh, I... What? You've never beaten it either? No. Nope. Nope. Oh my god, we're getting this for Pals Play. We're doing a Pals Play. Yeah, I, I, I've beaten... It's my favorite Final Fantasy. Uh, dude, I've beaten, like, every... I think every Final Fantasy, you know, besides this, and I think I definitely didn't beat ten two. I know that much. But I got close. I got really far in that game. Uh, I tried. <laughs> I really tried. That one wore me down. That's it. Peter, it's Reginald, decided. and Bessie. This is your favorite Final Fantasy because you haven't played Final Fantasy Six. I played Final Fantasy VI. Oh, did you? Then you're wrong. This one's my favorite. This is my favorite, like, nostalgically, because it's my first. Oh, okay. Yeah, you never you know? forget your first. Yeah, right. And it's like, I really like the return to the, like, classic aesthetic that they did for this one, where it was like, yeah, like, everything's been, like, steampunk and futury, and it's like, nah, let's go back to, like, a little more, like, classic fantasy for a little bit, you know? It's like, it was a cool diversion, I think. 
It's something I wish they would do again, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't know. Do you guys think do you think this is gonna indicate a trend if this sells well? Do you think we'll get versions like this of like Final Fantasy VII or Eight or like Legends of Dragoon or anything else? I maybe Legends of Legend of Dragoon. Um, but Final Fantasy VII's already getting the remake. That's true. I could see Legend of Dragoon because that was a PlayStation published game. So true, yeah. But like Final Fantasy VII's already getting the remake. I don't think that like Final Fantasy VIII fits sort of with this coming out like this. Final Fantasy VII getting remade. It's like, what do you do with Final Fantasy VIII? Because it's like definitely, Just leave it. yeah in need just, of a remake yeah just 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 forget about it let's like eight didn't happen all right <laughs> don't you dare it's because you're not a kingdom hearts fan you don't appreciate eight are you kidding <laughs> I don't appreciate <laughs> i'm just speaking like the fact that i've fucking played all of them you don't need to remake eight it's fine where it is just leave it let's just forget about it we'll bury it in the mojave desert or something <laughs> squall does suck you can't remake that game and make it good. I'm sorry. Nah, dude. It's so convoluted for no fucking reason. And most of the characters, you know, don't even meet up until, like, way later in the game. It's just, The storytelling is disjointed beyond all belief. I could go on. It's crazy. Fucking haters. I, dude, I beat it. it. Like, I stuck it out, you know? It felt like a <laughs> workout. Fucking... <laughs> It's not a bad game for some people, but that's because you haven't played some of the other ones, I guess. <laughs> no, it's because I like Kingdom Hearts. Shut up. Why? What does it have to do with Kingdom Hearts? I don't understand. You'll know when we play it! <laughs> so wait, you like and... 8 because Kingdom Hearts had a part of 8 in it? Yeah, pretty much. That's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like Kingdom Hearts. You don't like 8. You like Kingdom Hearts. I like the characters from 8. <laughs> the characters are like, okay. It's like, who was in, who was in it from... Uh, Besides Squall, I'm guessing. Squall's like the big boss, well, and like, but he's not called Squall. He's called Leon for oh, some for reason. Oh, for fuck's sake! You it's don't so even. Weird. You did you ever play eight? It's, it's fine. It's fine. Wait, We're just did, gonna back up. On. Did you ever even play eight? No. <laughs> wow. Pete. I'm just defending it. <laughs> you, are, you are a fucking monster. All right, yeah. meat and potatoes for this show. Our topic of the show is why is Pete garbage? <laughs> Example A. Uh, I like water Pokemon. I like Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> no, liking Kingdom Hearts is fine, but the fact that you like 8 even because you never played it. <laughs> you're sick. I think I emulated it like one time. You're, yeah, and you couldn't be bothered to finish it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, just go play Enchanted Arms. It's a shorter game on the PS3 that was actually self-contained and better than 8, and it's still a shitty game. <laughs> <sighs> All right, fine, Thompson. So let's move on to uh, a thing that you're happy about, okay? Yeah. Zone of the Enders, yeah. the second runner remastered, Fuck yeah. is coming to PS4 with VR support. Hell, well, you know, okay. I don't care about the VR shit. I'm sure someone will. but It's got complete VR support, which is interesting. Yeah, that is really um, interesting. But yeah, so apparently the game is going to be released as Anubis, Zone of the Enders, Mars. In uh, spring 2018 in Japan. Yeah, the yeah, naming right? is awful. Anubis was the enemy suit in the game, and the game takes place mostly on Mars. I don't know why they needed to point that shit out. If you played the game, you would understand it, and if you didn't, no one's going to understand the title. You know, it's just like, 
that's an insane fun the fact is zone of the enders mars one of my favorite games ever is Zone of the enders yeah too and like uh my one friend bought it through like ebay when i was a kid and he was like playing something on my computer and i was like yo can you, do you care if i just put this in real quick and he's like yeah man you can start it and like legit i beat the whole game i didn't just start it i fucking beat it and it was like i beat the whole game in four hours flat and he turned around he's like son of a bitch I can't believe I just heard the whole game in the background. And I was like, yeah, dude, you shouldn't let me play it. Um, but I fucking loved the enemy Anubis suit so much, I ended up having an obsession with the Egyptian god Anubis and then named my cat that. So this game has affected my life. That's how much I like Zone of the Enders. <laughs> I don't know that was why. I just love Anubis because I love the suit because, you know, like going back and like little kid edgy shit that I like. And then I fell in love with mythology when I got older and I was like, Anubis is an awesome name, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. In case you needed any more confirmation that Thompson was a sweet but huggable, sweet and huggable edgelord. Yes. He has a cat named Anubis. I have a lot of cats. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just to finish this up, the, the game's going to have 4K support, updated sound design, and quote, brand new features uh, that we don't have any details on yet. And uh, no, that's it actually. Sorry. I thought that was, I thought there was one more line of inf- information there. Uh, so then the last uh, little bit is um, we've got Noctis joining Dissidia Final Fantasy NT, which is the uh, Square Enix Final Fantasy fighting game that we talked about a while ago, um, which is weird because I thought he was already – wasn't he in the trailer? I thought we talked about this before. We have definitely talked about Nocturu. So I, I don't know why this is listed as an announcement, but maybe there's – I don't know. Let us know. Let us know if there's an update Maybe there. it's like getting released. Like, yeah, maybe he was just. Maybe they released, uh, you know, some characters on the list, and he wasn't like on the list or something until now. You know, who the fuck? Yeah, because I definitely remember there being some kind of leak about that in the past. So yeah, maybe it wasn't officially announced before when we talked about it. I don't know. Could be. Uh, so then we got Dragon's Crown Pro officially confirmed for the PlayStation Four, um, which is uh, you know, it's an action RPG that was um pretty popular on uh, PS3 and Vita come in with a updated you know kind of definitive vision de- definitive edition excuse me 4k support all that stuff uh japan studio vr music festival which is a vr game where you get to you know check out festivals i don't know it's a virtual reality experience go check it out if you're interested in that kind of thing i don't know so and then Pete, um when you say the game was pretty popular on the vita it sold what like three whole copies representing a hundred percent of the Vita install um, base. Okay, all right. If you're not gonna just throw shade at the fucking Vita and have me just sit here, all right? You know what the Listen, Vita really needed? Vita had a small install base, but we bought games. Damn it, man! You know what you sound like you're defending that you also paid for a Wii U. Uh, I will never defend the Wii U. <laughs> Also, the Wii U wishes it had numbers like the Vita. Why don't you go talk to your beloved Drinkbox and ask them why they put out exclusive Vita games in 2015? 16! Fuck! I think if we had a Final Fantasy VIII port in the Vita, it would have been okay. (laughs) It would have sold hotcakes because... It would have driven the the sales. People buy the Vita for the eight. I'm telling you. That's what it is. All right, and the last thing we're going to do here before we move on to our meat and potatoes here is the last announcement to go through is that Neku Atsume, which was uh, the cat collecting sim, which was super popular on mobile for a bit, is coming to PlayStation VR, which is like the weirdest fucking thing I've ever heard, but all right. Everybody likes cat game. Everybody likes cat game. I Just like, it's so strange to me because it's a phone game that they're going to make VR and like... 
I played it. It's flat cartoon graphics. You're telling me you don't want a full 3D, like, version of that backyard that you can just hang out with cats in? <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I want to try it. But, like, what? Again, it's gonna be so soothing. You're just gonna hang out with cats in a full 3D VR backyard. Yeah, I'm gonna make Thompson do a Let's Play of it. It'll be fun. Billy the Kitten will be uh. there and nihilistic in your backyard. <laughs> if we're gonna play a cat game let's just play cat lateral damage because that's actually good so um before we move on i just wanted to ask do any like what what of these do anything for you guys you know are there any of these announcements that you're like really stoked on or cat game vr cat game vr uh n- no really nothing here is is uh of particular interest sean uh... you're a liar <laughs> cat, yeah, game cat game vr you don't want to play Neku Atsume? <laughs> uh, not even a little bit. Um, so what if I make Sean do a let's play of it? <laughs> no, no. Pals, I fucking to refuse. Play. You might be down a VR <laughs> headset after he's done. It's possible. Um, so the only game that I think is kind of cool is uh, Final Fantasy IX, but obviously that's a remake. Uh, the the Left Behind, I didn't get anything out of that, or Left Alive. Was it left, left yeah, alive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Left alive. That didn't do anything for me. Um, and then you know, Monster Hunter looked okay, but the monsters are too weird for me. And this just this isn't the this this isn't the announcement for me. This set of announcements is not 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 targeted towards me. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. I'm not you know super super into a lot of Japanese games that aren't like Nintendo stuff usually, um, or like JRPGs. Uh, I I definitely am interested in uh, in Left Alive just because I could definitely get in the mood for, like, a big mech fighter game if it's good, but I don't know that it's necessarily a game I'm actually going to play. Um, I'm kind of with you. I would say the biggest announcement for me is Final Fantasy IX, because I'm definitely going to pick that up and make Thompson do a Let's Play with me. Well, I guess I'm uh, excited for Final Fantasy IX now, um, so that's <laughs> cool. But yeah, I mean, I, I like mech stuff, so Left Alive looks cool, but I wish I knew more. Um, I, you know, as much as I love Zone of the Enders... I don't think I'm going to buy it because I don't have time or money to just buy a remake, you know? So good job, Pete. You're going to buy a nine for me and we'll play it. <laughs> um, yeah. Other than that, man, like, you know, as much as I like think some of these are cool, like I'm probably not going to buy most of these or any of them really. I mean, if left alive turns out to be cool, then yeah, but it's so early. Who knows? <laughs> I'm really excited for uh left alive. I think it looks cool. I am all about those, like weird Japanese sci-fi kind of games like Metal Gear Solid my shit and I love the pedigree behind it um Final Fantasy 9 probably won't play but Cat Game VR definitely <laughs> will play <laughs> okay so that's going to take us into our meat and potatoes uh which I wanted to ask you guys what do you think of these kind of smaller games press events like uh or trade shows like TGS uh Paris Games Week PSX uh PlayStation Experience um so they obviously don't have the same level of like fanfare around them that e3 does right like we're not doing a uh tgs special you know there's not that same explosion of of news but do you guys appreciate getting these kind of like little blasts of smaller announcements throughout the year or would you prefer that publishers kind of save uh these guns for the big shows so despite the fact that I showed zero interest pretty much in everything that we talked about I think these kinds of <laughs> things are positive uh i think having gaming news coming out at events will always make people and and this goes for comics as well uh it'll always up your interest level when you see tokyo game show or when you you know when you see um 
I can't think of any of the other uh, smaller ones right now, but like when you see that there's um, on, if you go on IGN, for instance, when you see that tagline ahead of some game announcement, it adds more credence to it. I think I'm always more liable to click on something that's coming from an event than I am just a random announcement throughout the week, especially if it's a game that I'm not liable to be interested in interested in otherwise so i think that that's good for gaming websites it, it i'm sure that it boosts um attendance to those websites uh sure. it gets more eyes on these games uh games that people otherwise might not even hear about so i think there's no reason for them not to exist and i think that overall it's a net positive even if you as the individual person aren't interested in the announcements that particular instance yeah man like i totally agree um uh... One of the things for me is especially like I'm not really usually interested in a lot of these things that come out, but I I love knowing what's coming out. And E3 is great. It adds, you know, here's some big titles that you're going to want. You know, here's here's some things that are really cool. We put a lot of work into this, a lot of money into these. But I like these ones, too, because you get the little things that you may not, you know, see. And so many games come out now. Like, for me, at least, it's really hard to keep up or even fucking remember what's what, you know? Uh, sometimes the title we're like, oh, there was that game at E3 that you know did this thing and whatever, and we don't remember the title because so many fucking games came out, you know, and we don't remember like Left Alive, right? We were already like saying before what the fuck yeah, is it so called? Many games have generic ass names right. like Left Alive, yeah. And so I never <laughs> would really pay attention to a lot of games that I don't know. I don't want to like say like oh, AAA, not AAA, because like a lot of these are you know from big companies, and a lot of them aren't um, necessarily like gigantic like them. But that border is, like, dissolving, I think, a little bit. And this helps, <clears throat> for me at least, to catch the ones that aren't, you know, the mainline titles that are announced every year. You know, it's not the next Call of Duty. Like, obviously, that's going to come out, you know. Uh, or maybe they're taking a break. I don't know. But the <laughs> point is, uh, you know, it's not those yearly games that you always see. Like, these things are really good for that, you know. And if if you're like me, uh, you will forget <laughs> what, you know, a lot of things about these because so many come out um that this helps keeps it fresh you know and i also i really do agree with sean on that about the legitimacy of it too you know if if i'm just i don't know say i want to pick up something for the switch and i'm and i go to the marketplace i'm like oh well, what what's coming out physically you know and i'll check if it's from nintendo you know i'll be like that's the list but if it's from some site i've never heard i'm like maybe it's not maybe that's not the release date you know so having a backed up by an event um you know like this was it's it's a good way for me to to know that like yeah these these are presented in a way and like you got to think too probably I mean at least I do that um there's probably more games at these events anyway and these are like the best of for us so um I like the fact that there's different spins on it sometimes so you get to see like how people what they like about certain games you know like why they think this is the top pick of a of an event or something I mean I, I, I think yeah that's that's the word I think that's like really salient is event right yeah I think. The, these kinds of things they they make events out of announcements that might not be important otherwise right. or it brings eyes to things that you wouldn't necessarily hear about because of the big tentpole things that come out of it right yeah you know yeah. i think like you know we, we talked about earlier right like rockstar is the kind of company that can be like oh we're gonna talk about red dead next week and that's an event right but like yeah fucking left alive they can't just be like oh left alive like it's <laughs> it's a way more niche thing it's a bad name for one thing 
and like the names here on it are big, but they're big if you're into these niche things. It's not like something that has mass mainstream appeal like fucking Red Dead 2, you know? And I feel like these kinds of things, like if you're somebody like us, you know, who follows the industry, right? Like, like you know going into TGS, it's like, oh, TGS is, you know, it says right in the name, it's Tokyo Game Show. It's like, oh, this is where we're going to hear about all the big, you know, like AAA or like at least like the games that the big AAA publishers in Japan think that you should care about here in the West, you know, or think that you should care about in general, that these are like the best of what they have to offer. And like, I like getting that curated experience. You know, I like having it be an event and having like news kind of trickled out to us throughout the year because, you know, like otherwise E3 is already bloated, you know, like I think having these smaller satellite events throughout the year to pepper these smaller announcements is like, it's a good, like, thing to keep stringing us along throughout the year and keep us engaged with what is coming next, you know, or what we're already excited for. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, gaming news is, is always good, you know, cause like it's hard to keep a consistent thing. That's not like E3. Right. So I, I do really, I agree with both of you guys now, you know, it's, um, it, it's, it's just like a great way to like be, keep up on like what's actually coming out. Cause there are there are so many games that come out now you know this this year has been this year alone has been crazy for this kind of shit so this this is probably the first year that i've appreciated these as much as i do you know um it's just it's it's a big year for a lot of big things and i forget consistently what i even wanted because now i'm just like oh the next thing is announced the next thing's announced and like i'm always just like man i really i want all these things now you know and i, I don't think i've wanted so many games in years you know yeah, it's like I am overwhelmed by how many really attractive things there are out. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's crazy, and that, that's yeah, what even she excluding said. this. <laughs> <laughs> even even if I didn't get the Switch, man, like there, are, every other system still has something that I want on it, you know. And um, it's it's a great year for games. You know what it is too. It's like, I guess this is not exactly on the subject, but following what Thompson said. Uh, even if you're only into a specific genre of games, there's a lot coming out. Like, if you're a fighting game fan this year, you already got Injustice 2 and Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. And the year's not over, you know? like, Dude, yeah, and like, there's all the littler games too, like the littler Japanese fighters that are still coming yeah, out too. Yeah, Because there was a new Blaze Blue this year too, right? Exactly, exactly. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, mech games are coming back, you know? Like, what the hell? Uh, we got, you know, we got just tons of shit everywhere you look. Or, like, even, you know, like, fucking, like, I know Sean, like, has made a joke out of it, but it's, like, the fact that, like, there are enough games as services games that are, like, big and healthy that you could conceivably play, like, three games forever. Yeah, yeah if you, you, know, if you and play like, Destiny alone, you could do that forever right now, you know? Yeah. And, like, that's, it's crazy. Or League, or Dota, yeah. or WoW, or fucking Pub, or, you know, like, it's it's insane. Yeah, 10 Absolutely. million copy PUBG. <laughs> I really, really love these, like, smaller-scale events. Um, love TGS. Can't not think of 30 Rock when I hear TGS, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I love TGS. I love Nintendo Directs. I love that Games News isn't tied to E3 and then, like, trickle-out stuff. Yeah. Like, 
I don't know. I like hearing these like weird one-off announcements like Left Alive, which for all of the problems with it, like it's cool that they're just announcing this game in September, you know? Totally. Totally. And man. it it makes E3 feel bigger and more special cuz we don't get like the B-list announcements at E3. Yeah, the fact that there's other opportunities allows E3 to really be like the cream of the crop. Yeah. And, and I think that's big too. Um, I think it's great for the industry. It's great for games in general that this model is sort of trickling out. Excuse me. And I think um, to a point that I want to say Thompson made earlier, I think what's cool about it too is like it's there's kind of like a show for everyone. You know, like TGS is really focused on like Japanese-centric games. The Nintendo Directs obviously speak to Nintendo fans. PlayStation has PSX where they get to talk about all the first-party like smaller shit that, you know, doesn't necessarily have the – doesn't necessarily need a highlight at E3. Um, and yeah, I think, I think we're in a really comfortable place with it right now. You know? Like I'm not saying that Atlas should start having a five-day conference hosted at Disney World every year, but <laughs> – but I'd tune in. I would fucking go. Are you, I mean, are you kidding me? I think me? even even like the PAX, like the way PAX has evolved as a place for like indies to show off their games and everything, it's it's really cool that there are so many events now that we get like really, you know, interesting high quality announcements at because there is so much to talk about, right? Like we were just going on about how how much how much quality content there is out there in the gaming landscape in 2017 so it's like you kind of need these spill-off shows to like get that message out absolutely like should squeenix have showed off the uh the final fantasy 15 multiplayer dlc at e3 yeah probably but it's cool that they have tgs to show it off at. yeah and i mean maybe it wasn't ready then right yeah. or it was like close enough but they were like you know what we don't need it there so we'll save it here where, you know, at E3 it would have been a bullet point. Here it's a major talking point again. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting too. Maybe they're not tied to release dates as much if they can get the hype out for a certain game at different points, you know, rather than just E3. You know, if they use one of these as like the jumping off point, now they can base the date around it when maybe they had to rush before or something, you know. Or, you know I, I, I'm assuming it, I think it helps the schedules, you know. Yeah, yeah, and the way they make their schedules is definitely informed by these shows, you know, like, because you look at some of the things we get at E3, and oftentimes an announcement you think you're going to get at E3 isn't coming, the first thing you think is, okay, well, maybe they're saving it for TGS, maybe they're saving it for Paris Games Week, you know, maybe they're saving it for PSX. It's not anymore, oh, I didn't get the announcement of a release date at E3, guess it's not coming out till next year. Right, Yeah, exactly. yeah, you used to just skip exactly. the year and say, it ain't this year then, but now, you know, we got so many other opportunities to hear about it. Dude, fucking, fucking Blizzard, you know, has BlizzCon, right? And they only have, sure. like, four games to market you, you know? They got the Warcraft, Starcraft, Diablo Worlds, and then Overwatch. And so, like, what the hell is Blizzard going to announce that's so groundbreaking except for another expansion to WoW, which they is also cool. Have I'm not saying these aren't bad things, but it's like they're not going to come out every year that I don't know if it needs, a, like, a two-day event for them, you know? That's the thing is, I think it's important, though, because the reason you have that, right, is because you're right. The average person doesn't care about that. Right. The average gamer doesn't really care about that. That's not going to get a headline in fucking, you know, entertainment fucking tonight or whatever. Not entertainment. What entertainment weekly. You, yeah, thank you. Exactly. Like, the mainstream fucking media isn't going to pull headlines from fucking BlizzCon. But... 
there is that core Blizzard fucking fan like Sean, like you, yeah. who does give a shit about everything that's going to come out of BlizzCon, or at least cares about a lot of it. Yeah, you know? see, like, I, I care about it, but the thing is, like, I don't think it needs to be as big as it is even. I still just appreciate that it exists because it's their way to get it out. Like, the Nintendo Direct has exactly. their flavor on it. Like, I think it's a exactly. fucking rad yeah. idea, you know? So in a world where that exists, where a company that I know is probably not going to announce something groundbreaking every year except for like another expansion or something you know like it's stuff i want but it's not gonna you know overwatch was like a really crazy example you know that shit just came out of nowhere you know oh they have hearthstone too like i forget that they do this they have five properties really but it's all the warcraft stuff i meant um you know so it's like i think it's great um but i'm glad these shows exist you know the niche level of them too like blizzcon is probably a great my greatest example because it's so niche it's just one company doing like a couple ips you know (laughs) Yeah, and I think it's it's really fun, frankly, for people like us that, like, we know that all these things exist because it definitely drives the speculation and, you know, like, I wonder what's going to happen at yeah, this. Yeah. Let's, you know, like, let's place bets on it. Right, you know, yeah. It, it, we, it feeds into, like, the making announcements of games and event and gives us reasons to, like, get excited and celebrate things, you know, which is, like, it's just fun, you know? It's, it's always a, a good time when we get to have an episode focused around these kind of announcements. Yeah, I didn't know we were betting it, but um, I don't have any money, so maybe I'll take a loan from somebody. We can start betting. That'd be fun. I, I would definitely love to do a thing where we like place bets, like when they're like, "Oh, there's going to be a direct." It's like, what do we think they're going to talk about? And we could like make predictions and yeah, yeah. fuck around, fucking bet on them. That'd be fun. I prefer direct um, bingo personally. That'd be good. I'd do it every year. I'm going to bet on Half Life Three. Sounds <laughs> are like a million to one. <laughs> eventually, it'll pay big dividends. I'm telling you, I could lose for ten years straight if I win once. I'm good. <laughs> uh, Half Life Three got like the needle put in its core needle. No, I'm I, waiting for it even more now. The, the, the odds just went up, baby. Like, come on, <laughs> let him ride. <laughs> All right, so that's gonna wrap it up for the conversation here on episode 22 of the Video Game Pals. Remember, if you guys wanna, you know, write in with your own thoughts on about any of the stuff we've been talking about, hear your thoughts right on the air. You can hit shoot us an email to the Video Game Pals at gmail.com. You can follow our sister show at the Comics Pals on every social media platform. Uh, keep up to date with all the cool stuff we've got going on here at the Pals Network. And if you want to do us a favor, again, please drop a like on the platform of choice if you're an audio listener. If you're ever on YouTube, you can like the video. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Uh, please go check out Pals Play, our brand new Let's Play show every day with me and Thompson. And uh, share it with your friends. As always, help us out. Get the word out. Get new Pals in the uh, the Pals Legion. I don't know what we call you guys, but you know, join up. Help us out. Be a pal. <laughs> and uh, we'll catch you. Yeah, be a pal. We'll catch you guys next week on another episode of the Video Game House. Take care, guys. Remember to bet on Half-Life 3. And remember, kids. Fire. Pokemon are trash. (laughs) And remember, kids. I edit the show.